right, men. You all know what you have to do. At the count of three, we go in. And the one, and the two, and the three. One special to bathtubs. It's spooky bathtub season. Two best friends, no clothing. Bone chilling bathtub season. It's bathtub season. It's bathtub season. It's bathtub season. It's bathtub season. Hey, Corey. Well, hello, Austin. Welcome to spooky bath time season. Bath time? Bathtub. Spooky bathtub season. I got extra prepared today. I have the blood of infants coursing through my veins because I got a vaccine today. <laughs> I was going to ask if Ollie was okay. <laughs> no, the baby's fine. It's not him that's coursing through my veins. Good. Another spooky turn of events for my body. I had Taco Bell for both lunch and dinner today. So this bath could go sideways at any time. <laughs> yes, it could. <laughs> you may have more than just the regular bath bomb in your tub. I hope it's only the regular bath bomb. <laughs> Speaking of, what are your sack soup seasonings? I hate soup. It's the wettest of foods. Mine tonight is something I rush ordered on Amazon. It is the Boo Berry Licious Cauldron Bath Bomb from the Island of Bath and Body. And this is a really weird one. It came in a plastic cauldron. It looked like in the picture that it was all bath bomb, but the bath bomb was like made inside of this plastic cauldron and you like drop the whole thing in your bath and it doesn't sink. So I just have this black cauldron floating around my tub with me right now. <laughs> and when it tips over slightly, like the bath bomb inside kind of goes in a bit, but then it flips back over. So it's kind of like a delayed bath bomb in a cool way, but it's very strange. So ironically, I also rush ordered a bath bomb from Amazon yesterday because I ordered a really cool one, but I was behind the ball and it wasn't here in time to record <laughs> this. So I also have a fizzy cauldron bath bomb. Oh. Mine is also in a plastic cauldron. It is, is doing the exact same thing, except it's all fizzy when it gets in there. It is pumpkin spice scented, which is uh, to be expected. And my bath is quite red for the occasion. There's also supposedly a toy in this yeah. bath bomb. So I haven't found that yet, but somewhere in here with this cauldron is also a spider or severed finger or something. Yeah, in the description of mine, it didn't mention a toy, but on the directions on the box, it does say that it is a choking hazard with a toy inside. So I don't know what it's going to be. We will find out. Hopefully, as this podcast goes on, <laughs> something just floats up through our nethers and we can inform our audience what we are bathing with. Oh, jeez. Mine just floated up next to me. It's been by my feet the whole time, and it's fizzing over the top right yeah, now. Yeah, you got the same kind. Does yours have a little handle on it? Yeah, the handle came off super easily, though. <laughs> oh, I like the little handle. I like the little collar. Oh, it handle. came off, like, immediately when I put it in. <laughs> this is going to come out before the last episode we recorded, which was episode seven eight. of eight of the Tick 
Are you sure? Pretty sure. Whatever one we just last recorded, I got a little funky with my bath soup seasoning and added some incense and I really like the vibe it gave. So I have some more incense burning. I had a big variety pack in my office, but apparently they were all empty and I didn't realize that. So I was trying to find something Halloween themed, but I didn't. So I have Satya Prana Agrar Body incense going right now and it's quite lovely. Very nice. I also wanted to add to this. Ah! You okay? My toy came out. <laughs> it got stuck on my toe. <laughs> <laughs> toy on your toe. It's a little skeleton ring. <laughs> Sorry, it scared me. <laughs> well, Corey's got a skeleton in his bath. I tend to keep mine in the closet, but, you know, teach their own. <laughs> I will let everyone know if my toy assaults me at any point. Hopefully with the same vigor that Corey did. I also wanted to set the spooky mood, so I have two bleeding candles. I am doing this by Ooh. bleeding candlelight tonight. I wish I could do this podcast by candlelight. It's something I've thought about a lot, but the only outlet in our bathroom only works if you have the light on as well. So because I'm, you know, I have to have my laptop have power because it's 12 years old and would die within minutes if I didn't. I have to have a light on while I record and it sucks. Can you not unscrew the light? I mean, it's like a big tube light, like a big uh, fluorescent okay, gotcha, deal. gotcha. I was thinking just like a normal ass bulb. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be that simple. Are you drinking anything spooky for the occasion? Not overly spooky. I wanted to go with the darkest alcohol that I had at my disposal because I forgot to pick something up, so. Tar, is it tar? <laughs> Yeah, it is it's just pure <laughs> resin. No, it is cold brew Jameson. Nice. I think I got a bottle of that for you years ago for your birthday. Um, you got me something. It wasn't this one, because I don't think this one existed yet, but... Probably not. It was very good, whatever it was. I wanted to make something spooky. I mean, I have a few beers in the fridge, but nothing was, like, theme appropriate. So I made a little mocktail that I am going to call the Soulless Shirley and it is just grenadine and club soda because it looks like blood and it's missing the ginger ale so it doesn't have its soul. Okay, okay. I appreciate <laughs> the depth of that one. Yeah, it's pretty good though. You ever drink, just drink grenadine with club soda? It's delicious. I can't say that I have, but I mean, I know what the two taste like on their own and grenadine is the flavor here, so I, it would be fine. Yeah, it's like really refreshing. I have it all the time. <laughs> I will also say in addition to my cold brew Jameson, I'm playing a little bit of trick-or-treat with myself tonight. Ooh. In front of me, I have two black pre-rolls filled with Dole Whip, but one of them also includes Moon Rocks. Now, I'm not sure if I'm going to get through both of these during this podcast. I'm prepared to if the mood strikes me, but <laughs> if I don't, we will see just how high I get. You should have filled one of them with actual Dole Whip so you go to light it and you just you just get pineapple sludge all over your fingers. You know, I think I would know which is which <laughs> if I did that. <laughs> I think that would be a pretty easy tell. You know, if you have a thick enough wrapper. Oh, like Notorious B.I.G. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> so what are we talking about tonight, Austin? You, you made this what we're watching suggestion. I think I had the idea to have a Halloween special and then you immediately had some ideas of what to watch. This is true. I kind of immediately wanted to do like a Halloween special. I know I brought up in a previous episode, you know, after school specials. And I just, I really liked this idea. I had a bunch of 
ideas of things in my head that we could do, things that would give us longevity, you know, this, that, and whatever. But I really wanted to start with just a classic Halloween TV special. So tonight we will be discussing the Halloween that almost wasn't, AKA the night Dracula saved the world. You know, you kept adding that AKA onto things, but I literally didn't see it referred to that anywhere online. So it's very interesting. And for our viewers who are wondering why it has two titles, it was originally released in 1979. It was an ABC TV special. And for whatever reason, when they did the VHS release, they decided to change the name to The Night Dracula Saved the World. And that's what hmm. all of the physical releases are. But he doesn't even really save the world. He doesn't save the world. Which is an ironic point that you bring up because this special, I was unaware of it when I picked it. There is debate over whether I've seen this before or not. <laughs> so, so why did you pick it? <laughs> I mean, it was great, but... I was talking to a friend of mine who this is one of their all-time favorite Halloween specials, if not their favorite. And they were convinced that they had shown it to me before. And I was not. I am uncertain at this point, now that I've watched it for sure three times, if I have seen it a fourth time or more. But that is the debate that I have been shown this by a friend before. But it is a friend's favorite. And, you know, rightfully so. It was pretty fucking great. And it even won an Emmy and was nominated for others. Whoa, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yep, Outstanding Individual Achievement Children's Program. What is the achievement? I am not sure. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, they, they achieved it. <laughs> they sure achieved it. <laughs> I'd never heard of this. It was very good. I can see why some people would see this as like a classic, you know, thing to watch around the spooky Halloween time of year. But I'd never heard of it. Yeah. It's definitely gone under the radar, you know, for however many decades now. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it said, but I believe it said online it ran regularly during Halloween from 79 to, like, the early 90s, maybe. Hmm. But this is, I mean, this is classic, classic movie monster stuff, just with, you know, a heartfelt children's... Not children-centric, but children-focused. Adjacent? Adjacent, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I'd call it, you know, classic movie monsters. I mean, it's very camp. And I feel like today there's a lot of camp on purpose movie monster stuff, but I don't think that was as common, you know, you see anything this old. So the best thing that I can compare it to, and this would, this was obviously around at the time, it's uh, very monsters inspired. Uh, yeah, I can see that. So you want to get into the episode, not episode, whoa, I <laughs> slipped right into the regular season stuff. Do you want to get right into the Halloween special? Let's slip into this special. So because of the time frame, because it was common then, they start with the opening credits, but after those end... We begin with Dracula pushing open the top of a coffin and having a huge yawn, which immediately I liked because I don't see vampires yawning too often. 
One thing with the credits, though, this was produced by Bruce Bilson, and what a name. That stuck out both times I watched this. Like, man, that's a name. <laughs> that's a great name. I will run through the cast real quick. I won't spend a lot of time here, but I, I want everyone to know that these are people of note, not entirely, but you know, they're people you'd recognize, not unlike The Tick, where we have talked about before, these people that they get as features are big TV actors, you know, not big names, but you see them in a billion things. Mm -hmm. So Judd Hirsch is Dracula. You may recognize him from Independence Day. He plays Jeff Goldblum's father. He was also Alex Rager on Taxi. I'm not really a cab driver. I'm just waiting for something better to come along. <laughs> you know, like death. I have not seen either of those movies somehow. That's impressive. <laughs> you should watch Independence Day. Don't watch the sequel, but you should watch Independence Day. Okay. Mariette Hartley is the witch, who is the counterpoint to Dracula in this. She's known for a couple older movies that I didn't recognize, Marooned and Ride the High Country, but here's where I know her. She plays Sean Astin's mom in Encino Man. Hmm. I've not even heard of that one. You've never heard of Encino Man? Where have you been? Brendan Fraser's a caveman, Polly Shore. Link and I are cruising the mountain, bro, and we figure we's a little juice. No, we think the juice. We the juice. No, 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 we think the juice. <laughs> I know this show is going to make people think I never watch any movies. I do. It's just not the... I don't want to be like, oh, I only watch underground movies. I just... I watch the movies I want to watch, and I don't know. <laughs> You're missing some big pop culture here, but we'll I deal know. with that. <laughs> Henry Gibson plays Igor. I best know him from the Blues Brothers. He plays the head Nazi. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. He's also Father O'Neill in Wedding Crashers, and he's done a ton of VO for Nickelodeon. Now, I have seen those movies. See? Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. I'm also going to be on your side with these next movies. Jack Riley plays the werewolf. Warren the werewolf. His name's Lauren? Warren, with a W. Folks around here call me W. Oh. So his roles that he's known for are much smaller, but it's Mel Brooks. He's a TV newsman in Spaceballs. He's also stone soldier number two of the Roman Empire in History of the World Part One. But honestly, the most notable thing he is Stu Pickles in Rugrats. What? Yup. That's awesome. And Wade Williams in Chud 2, Bud the Chud. I've seen Spaceballs so many times, and I am struggling to think of when a newscaster is in it. Don't quote me, but I want to say the president, Mel Brooks' character, is watching a TV that he's on at some point. But I could be mm. wrong about that. Gotcha. Finally, in the opening cast list is John Shuck as the Frankenstein monster. He was in the movie version of Nash as Captain Painless Wadowski. And he was also the Klingon ambassador in Star Trek's four and six. Now, I am like the biggest Trekkie for like anything next gen and onward. I don't know classic Trek too much. So I'm, I'm sure at some point people are going to start noticing I make a lot of Star Trek references, but I don't know those. You would probably notice him because he's done other Star Trek stuff outside of those movies. He was just bigger there. Gotcha. What was the actor's name? I'll look him up real quick. John Shuck. S-C-H-U-C-K. I'm now 
now using my bleeding candle to light my trick-or-treat joint. I actually remembered an ashtray this time. Oh, these are all weird bit parts, so no, I don't know him from any of this. He never played anything like major after that. Nothing I would recognize. So as you mentioned, Dracula wakes up in his coffin and in the other room of Dracula's castle, Igor sits down with a very fancy bowl of popcorn to watch. It's not a bowl. Well, it's, did you? It's, <laughs> uh, what do you call it? It's a bowl with a big old stem. It's not even a bowl. It's like a plate on a candelabra base. Like I wrote down the first time I watched it, like who eats popcorn off a plate? Like, but then the second time I watched it, it's a plate on top of a candelabra base. So it is a plate on top of a candle or candelabra base, but it's, not a plate, as much as I, I just fucking said it's a plate. <laughs> it's concave, it's a bowl on top of this plate. Like it goes down like it would hold a candle almost, but he's mm -hmm. eating popcorn out of it. And it's very full and it's very full the whole fucking time, even though he spilled plenty of it and Dracula <laughs> eats some of it and he eats some of it. But he's watching a man on TV mix chemicals mm -hmm. and then Dracula comes in the room, scares him. You know, like you said, he spills it. But before they really get to talk about anything, the Transylvania News Department has a special announcement. And <laughs> when Dracula hears this, there's a storm happening outside and he yells quiet at the storm. And the storm and windows both listen, the windows close and the storm stops. And at this point I was like, I already like this Dracula swagger, it is good. Yeah, that was a great moment. And I also thoroughly enjoy this Dracula. He is nothing but great throughout this. Right. I do think it's very interesting that Igor is Dracula's assistant. Like, Dracula is Igor's master, not yeah. Dr. Frankenstein. I didn't really notice that until the second time watching through near the end. I was like, wait a second. Something's not right here. <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein is referenced, but he's not in the movie at all. And Igor yeah. it does not arrive with Frankenstein's monster. He serves Dracula in this story for some reason. Yeah, it's never talked about it, just how it is. Just how it is, absolutely. But the news report starts, and this news announcer for Transylvania, who has no accent whatsoever, says that Count Dracula has called on world's monsters to come to his castle immediately, because it's the night before Halloween, and that it comes from an unimpeachable source that Halloween is in danger of disappearing forever. Is unimpeachable the right word there? It struck me as odd both times. <laughs> You know, they were smarter back then. I think it is right. Okay, they were. But Dracula is immediately thrown off by this. He isn't aware of this rumor. Igor is completely surprised by the newscast that there are monsters coming over. But before they discuss anything, it cuts to a few different houses uh, that are watching the same broadcast of kids getting ready for Halloween and them talking to their parents about what's going on. Yes, Dracula and Igor settle back into the couch and continue watching the broadcast, and Igor's nestling up into Dracula, like, they're cuddling here. <laughs> I didn't even catch that, that's great. But then, yeah, it goes to a shot outside of a building and says somewhere in Transylvania, and we are shown what we are to believe is an average Transylvanian nuclear family, a mother, father, son, and daughter. They never once try to pretend that this Transylvania is in Romania, but... <laughs> no, Dracula has an accent. He hams it up big, but these are very white American family that apparently is the Transylvanian family. And no one else has an accent. No, no one else has an accent. Although, we'll get to that. These monsters are from all over the world. 
But here's our Halloween history lesson. We have to remember that this is a Halloween special that is, you know, supposed to be educational to some degree, good for kids, but also entertaining. So while the family watches the same newscast, the dad's carving a pumpkin and the son's working on his costume, the mom's putting makeup on the daughter, and the newscaster says, If this rumor is correct, this means the end of Halloween. A beloved 2,000 year old tradition. And the son's like, 2,000 years? I had a problem with this. Did Jesus invent Halloween? It, there's, that's not right at all. Like, why would it be a 2,000 year old tradition unless it had something to do with the Christianity? Pagans. Pagans did this. <laughs> but even, it's just really bizarre when you start to think they shouldn't have said 2,000 years. But they say 2,000 years multiple fucking times. I like the idea that it was Jesus that started Halloween. I don't know why, but I liked that image in my head. He's like, kids, you will now dress as ghouls and get candy. And they're like, what's candy? And he's like, eat a Butterfinger, bitch. I need a crispy, crunchy, peanut buttery Butterfinger. I'll give you four fingers. <laughs> Nothing like a Butterfinger. From Nestle. <sighs> <laughs> So the father explains to the son, he doesn't have an accent, but he sure does have a fun way of talking. He says, sure, back in those days, people used to light bonfires to scare away the evil spirits. Nowadays, jack-o'-lanterns are supposed to do the same thing. And he kind of smacks the pumpkin. I underlined that. Is that true? Like, that sounds like a thing, but like I never thought about why we make jack-o'-lanterns. But if that's true, that's super cool. I think that's true. I didn't fact check it, but I think it's true. I've heard it before. I had no idea. He had a great way of saying jack-o'-lanterns. He was like, jack-o'-lanterns. I don't even, I can't even do it. Nowadays, jack-o'-lanterns are supposed to do the same thing. Jack-o'-lanterns. <laughs> it's like Christopher Walken saying it or something. Very classic, like, what do they call it? Like a mid-Atlantic accent? Absolutely. The Transylvanian accent. He's mid-Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I noticed, though, is that the kids in these scenes are way better actors than all the adults. The adults are talking like they're fucking robots, but the kids are actually acting. I think they're playing it up for the campy, like, classic horror thing that the monsters were riffing on, but I agree with you. The kids are just kids acting like normal people, and the other ones are very hammy and campy. <laughs> It bugged me. I was like, why are the kids, like, normal? And the parents are like, they're the monsters. <laughs> <laughs> the parents are always the monsters, Corey. Mom and dad. They are, especially in these old movies. But the newscaster says that Dracula could be behind this move to end Halloween, and he is appalled at this. How dare they suggest such a thing? <laughs> then he exclaims, Halloween is my national holiday. <laughs> that sentence makes no sense. <laughs> I support it. I like it. <laughs> I don't think that's going to win my top line of the special, but it's real close. Can I have a national holiday? Like, I think everyone should if that's how it works. I think we need to campaign for bathtub day. Bathtub day. Perhaps a whole bathtub season. Right. All seasons are bathtub seasons, but we need a bathtub day. We need a bathtub day. Uh, we do also learn from the mother, because the father can't be the only source of information, that they don't dress up in costumes for fun traditionally. 
they do it for protection because they thought if they dressed up like an evil spirit, the other spirits wouldn't bother them. No, I did know that one. So there's our Halloween history lesson. We do get a little bit more of a history lesson thrown in there a little later, but this is where we establish the non-monster storyline part of this. The newscaster does say that it's gonna be very sad that Halloween's going away, but doesn't give any reasons why which also struck me as strange. Fair. I mean, even if it is sad, you wouldn't be like, Thanksgiving's going away, and that's sad. End of broadcast. Like, you gotta... <laughs> How odd. I did love before Dracula declares that Halloween is his national holiday, as he's reacting to the news anchor potentially blaming him or speculating he could be to blame, he lifts the most epic rock-style eyebrow in questioning response. If you're some man, what the rock is cooking? He has some good eyebrow throughout the episode. He does then tell Igor to get the guests comfortable until he is ready for his entrance and then laughs maniacally. Actually, he tells him to make the guests uncomfortable. My fellow monsters shall be arriving now. Make them uncomfortable until I make my big entrance. My thing was, though, if we're understanding that there are monsters from all over the world coming, that's not a small ask of Igor, because I would think Nessie would need different things than a mummy. That's a strange request, just a flat statement, make them uncomfortable. And then I love the fact that he wants a dramatic entrance. That's so extra in the best way, because then he just disappears. So he's like, Igor, go keep them comfortable until I can be dramatic. Absolutely. It's perfect. I love this Dracula. I need to be more like that. Get everyone to the point that they're about to leave so I can make a grand entrance. Exactly. It's fantastic. Did you watch the version that then cut to commercial and did you watch the commercials? I did, in fact. Did yours have the R2-D2 toy? Yes. So this whole special is brought to you by Kenner, the toy company. And it's an R2-D2 remote control toy that looks cool as hell like i want it except the noise it makes is nothing like r2d2 and is the most annoying sound i have ever heard a toy make <laughs> it's ungodly awful it's pretty bad <laughs> remember what speakers and toys were at that time but they didn't even try to make it like you could just make it beep just beep would be closer than what they did <laughs> that's fair maybe as a follow-up on this we'll post a clip of that we should. The next one is a very sexist toy from the 70s, which is for a Betty Crocker juicer slash blender that is for little moms to make juice, which is, one, a terrible toy, and two, just awful. <laughs> I would like to make juice, though. I have never once in my life understood the drive of people to make juice, so I'm going to stay out of that one. <laughs> Stay out of my juice, bitch. Bitch juice. I know, I don't want to piss people off, and I don't feel strongly against juices. Like, I like juices, but I've never been like, I'm gonna make one today. Like, that sounds like an unnecessary waste of my time. I could just go buy juice. I will admit that I don't tend to make juice for myself, but if someone offers me juice that they've made, oh, I'm drinking that shit. Oh yeah, same, because I didn't have to make it. Yep, I like to go to places <laughs> where people make juice. So you're on my side on this one. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the end of this commercial break. Now, back to our story. 
so this scene is Igor introducing all of the not superheroes, all of the villains, all of the monsters. Monsters, that's the word I'm looking for. And the first one is the werewolf, and he introduces them as half man, half follicle, and that is fantastic. I don't want a wolfman or werewolf to ever be introduced as anything other than that going forward. <laughs> is that what he said? It is. He's half man, half follicle. <laughs> so I kept going back over that line, trying to figure out what he was saying. And at the end, I determined in my mind that he was saying animal. No, it's follicle. <laughs> Interesting. That is better. But yes, this is from Budapest, Warren the werewolf. And he is anxious about being there. Yeah, he's uncomfortable the whole time. He's very uncomfortable. He says hi to Igor, and then he's practically on top of the dude saying that he doesn't want to see Dracula and repeatedly asking what's he going to do, which devolves into a howl on his knees. Uh, <laughs> Igor has to pull him up and encourage him to gain control of himself, and he walks off into the next room or other part of that room. And this is just a, a line that goes in succession. The next monster approaches. It's Frankenstein's monster. He's introduced as... From Bavaria, the incredible man whom Dr. Frankenstein created in his spare time from a lot of spare parts. The Frankenstein creature. Not just a lot of spare parts, a lump of spare parts, which I liked that descriptor. Oh, a lump. I missed that. Thank you for that. <laughs> Igor asks if Frankenstein's monsters learned any new dance moves. New steps. Oh, dance steps. And he shows him, he shows him those steps and knocks over a statue in the process. Igor comments on his gracefulness. I will say that Frankenstein's monster is very well spoken. We are turning some of the stereotypes on their nose. No, but that's actually closer, not to like get on the high horse that everyone has about Frankenstein's monster. In the original book, Frankenstein's monster is very well spoken. Okay, okay. But I do like that he just does a cute little jig. After that, a zombie approaches from tropical Haiti, the king of the living dead, Zabar the zombie. Yeah, I didn't know what the name actually was. Is it Zabar? I thought he said Zafran one of the times I was watching him. Another time I thought he said Zafar. Yeah, I heard Zabar. But yeah, he just walks in, walks right past Igor. He's a zombie. The next one may be my favorite because <laughs> it gets the least credit of any of them. <laughs> Igor just says, from Egypt, a mummy. <laughs> From Egypt. A mummy. Not even the mummy. A mummy. Not King <laughs> Tut, like, not Tutankhamun. A mummy. A mummy. From Egypt. Like, that's a huge country. <laughs> I loved that. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> Next, the witch just enters and starts giving people shit immediately and does the strangest thing. She, you know, as she's shit-talking everyone as she walks in, she walks to a closet in Dracula's mansion, mind you, opens it, and weird pink hands come out, grab the coat, and then she just moves on and starts talking like nothing happened. Like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Standard monster coat closet. <laughs> I want a pink hand coat. No, I don't. As soon as that would be terrifying. <laughs> oh, that closet is full of pink secrets, man. He didn't hop into bed with a national treasure and kill him with his pink secret. <laughs> <laughs> Don't open that closet. That's the one full of pink hands. <laughs> it just sounds worse the more we say it. I know, it does. I'm getting uncomfortable. 
move on, say something else. So Igor, now that all the monsters have arrived, is priming them for Dracula's dramatic arrival. He's looking out the window saying, I can see him clearly through the fog, which is just ironic. That's just a great line. Yeah, I had that written down as one of my favorite lines. <laughs> I can see him clearly through the fog. What a strange thing to say. <laughs> Absolutely. So Dracula is supposed to fly through this open window as a bat and turn himself into himself. However, Igor forgot to open the window, so Bat Dracula hits the window and turns into a smush-faced window Dracula. In a surprisingly good effect for the time period, especially for a TV special, I was impressed. Yeah, they do this a couple times, but especially against the window, they did it very well here. It was very, very smoothly done. It was great. Uh, Igor apologizes and Dracula mimes like he's going to bite him before addressing the rest of the monsters. The Dracula then tells the monsters that they've sold out and lost their frightening edge. He calls out Warren the werewolf for shaving his face and hands for a razor blade commercial. Which, you know what? If you're stuck as a werewolf, that is like the perfect opportunity. I also love it because it feels very apt to the time. It feels very much like a commercial that would exist. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a commercial that does exist that they were making actual commentary on, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. Or I, I could even see it being like, very modern, like definitely like late 70s, early 80s, I could see. Or like, I could see it today as like one of those TikTok popular razors. Sure. Like Dr. Squatch or something too doing that. Sure, no, I, uh, What? what's the one? Um, yeah, what's the one that's got all the ball jokes? Manscaping or whatever? Yes. We need to talk about your balls. Then Dracula calls out Frankenstein's monster for taking up tap dancing. Now, this is the the, thing that leads me to believe that maybe the werewolf razor blade thing was an actual reference, because I believe this is an actual reference and I fucking love it. Dracula says, and you, letting that movie influence you so much that now instead of terrifying the countryside, what are you doing? You're tap dancing. What movie would that be in reference to? That would be a reference to Young Frankenstein, which came out in oh, 1974. That makes sense, that makes sense. So Dracula is mad at FM for this, and does he step on his foot in anger, or does he punch him in the balls? I watched it a few times, and I couldn't tell which of the two he did. <laughs> he steps on his foot. He's making a point about his tap dancing, and he stomps on his foot. Okay, that makes more sense, because it does look like he's just, like, punches him right in the balls. Here's what happens. I like tap dancing. Oh, you like tap dancing. I'll give you tap dancing. So at the end there, when you hear the drum, it is him stomping on his foot, giving him tap dancing. I had to play the line mostly because I love the way Dracula says things. Tap dancing. <laughs> it is fantastic. But Dracula tells the monsters that if they don't get scary again, they will be replaced. But the witch chimes in how soon she could be replaced because she quits. And Halloween cannot start until she flies over the moon. Yes, this is a key detail that we learn in this scene that Halloween cannot begin until the witch flies over the moon. That is the thing, that is the key mm -hmm. to Halloween here. I also love this witch. She's got like a thick southern accent. Like I want to know more about this Appalachian witch. <laughs> who's flying around Transylvania. Like, she sounds like a badass. She seems to be a badass. Bro, that is badass. Yeah, she said she's tired of being a witch and gives some, like, very legitimate reasons. She says that she's tired of ugly girl jokes, tired of being feared instead of loved, 
and tired of getting less respect and taking orders from Dracula, which all four of those reasons are extremely solid. <laughs> I would probably want to quit too. I mean, who who would want ugly jokes made about them? Who would want to be feared instead of loved other than a terrible person? And if you're literally the start of a holiday, you should have equal say in it too. Like I am on her side when she's giving these reasons. Yeah, Dracula tries to assert his position as her superior you know, just typical white male bullshit. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, can you ride over the moon on your broom on Halloween night? He's like, no. Then you're not more important than me. <laughs> it is wonderful. I love this witch. It should also be said that she says that she has a little list of reasons why she's a superior monster to Dracula and then opens up a comically long list. Love these kind of gags. Yes, but it's not a list of reasons she's superior. It's her list of demands. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Dracula asks her what she wants, and the witch says she wants the things on this little list, pulling out probably an eight-foot scroll to unroll. The words are pretty big on it, though. I thought maybe it'd be a bunch of little points, but it looks like it's literally all the things she asks for. Which are? <laughs> the first one is, I think, the biggest one of Dracula, is that she wants to replace Dracula's picture in all the souvenirs for Transylvania, including the shirts. And my first thought is, so Dracula is being a hypocrite because that immediately means he's also exploiting his monsterhood for profit. They're really scary shirts. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is that she wants Dracula to be sweet and to apologize to the other monsters. And she wants to be co-leader of the monster world. Yes, equal authority, co-leader of the monster world. And... Dracula has some great responses to the first two. He says, the t-shirts, there goes my big bucks. <laughs> and then the second one, he says, you want me, Count Dracula, to apologize for being terrifying and to be sweet? That would ruin my image. How could I do that? I mean, like, good fucking point, honestly. Yeah. But actually, the note that I made when I heard that line is, this is a very Batman well line. Yes, yes, there is definitely a little bit of Batman well vibe coming off this Dracula. So at the point that the witch wants equal authority... Dracula says, agree to share my powers? Never, never. And raises his cape dramatically. The witch is just like, all right, we got nothing more to talk about. Toodaloo. Yeah, she runs out of the room, and then we get an amazing live-action, fast-forwarded version of that classic Scooby-Doo bit where everyone's running in and out of different doors while the camera's just pointed down a hallway. Yep. I know other people have done, or other movies and shows have done live-action copies of that, but this may be the best and most spot-on one I've ever seen. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I loved it. I honestly took no notes on the actual chase scene because what am I really going to take notes on? But it was just a great enjoyment to watch. It was nice to have that break and just watch that. Yeah. <laughs> but the witch gets away and just screams, goodbye, fellers, and goodbye, Halloween, which is such a boss-ass line <laughs> to leave a room on. So long, fellers, and goodbye, Halloween! <laughs> Yeah, this chase ends because Dracula just kind of jumps out and he's like, where is everyone? And everyone pokes their head out from wherever they are, <laughs> doors and cracks and whatever. And then the witch appears literally in the middle of the hall. She's just like, yoo-hoo! And for whatever reason, probably witch reasons, the lights go out and they all, you know, dogpile 
trying to get the witch, and Igor's like, I've got her, I'm pretty sure I've got her, and it's Dracula. <laughs> At which point, Dracula turns into a bat and flies after her. Oh my god, this scene is so bad. It's like this episode had some great special effects and this one they were just drunk at the end of the night and decided to do whatever. It's the worst. It's like, it's, it's the witch flying on a broom and then a terrible like puppet of a bat chasing it, or, which is fine. You don't have much budget for like a TV special, but the voice acting is also like one out of 10. It is so bad bad it's not even like acted it's like the guy playing dracula was just tired and just almost started talking normally it's awful <laughs> hiya baby it's me count dracula it's kind of him but he's just like hiya baby it's weird it's a weird approach the whole thing's weird weird not much gets said other than him trying to talk her down and then she reminds him that it's about to be dawn and so he has to go home and he's like, oh yeah, you're right, and just leaves. And then this is another scene where Igor forgot to open one of the windows. He runs into it and then he runs inside, sprints, smiles, yawns, passes out into his coffin and closes the top of it. Like, what's up with the happy vibe all of a sudden? Like, this is a terrible situation for you. The whole thing was just so weird. So the answer is sleep can fix anything. He's that excited about sleep. Sleep's just that fucking good, my man. Maybe he's ahead of the time. He's he's on that, like, good sleep for, like, better health bandwagon. With Ambien, you fall asleep fast, stay asleep longer, and generally wake without feeling groggy the next morning. Yeah, like you said, he crashes into the tomb door, and apparently that's part of Igor's job that he keeps not doing, because he says, Igor, you did it again! How many times do I have to tell you? Keep my tomb door open at night, closed in the day. Open at night and closed in the day. <laughs> Very Seinfeld-esque. Absolutely. Then we get another commercial break. This one's not as exciting as the last one. The first toy, because there's always gonna be one boy toy and one girl toy. The first toy is Darcy the Posable Doll, who the only point of note I had was that she comes with her own portfolio. So apparently she's a model, but they didn't lean into that at all during any part of the commercial. Okay, so what's the girl toy? <laughs> well, I don't know who this second toy is for because, <laughs> oh my God, it's horrifying. It is a Play-Doh Dr. Drill and Fill. Oh and yeah, it's that's fucking great. Horrible face that opens up and you make the teeth out of play-doh and then it comes with a drill and you fix the cavities by drilling into the teeth and then making the crowns and putting over them like this is terrifying dude drill and <laughs> this fill is the is shit terrifying. they're trying to inspire a generation of dentists and i'm pretty oh sure they still make a version of that toy <sighs> this version i hope not like this is scarier than half the movies i've seen that were supposed to be scary from that time period it's saw before saw it's awful <laughs> Now, back to our story. All the monsters are watching news, and apparently the newscaster knows everything that's happened so far, which is weird. But he says an odd line. His first line is, it's a sad day in Transylvania tonight. Huh. <laughs> I didn't catch that. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> that's a weird case of overriding, but incorrectly. <laughs> that's fantastic. I love that. All the monsters and all the kids and all the other houses are sad watching this. Dracula then appears. He says he has a plan, but they have to go to the witch's castle and be quiet. Yes. Though they decide to walk 
And I had a few questions about that. Because one, they have a mummy and a zombie with them, which are not known to be the fastest walkers. And two, how close do they live to each other? If they can make it with plenty of time to still save the night, are they neighbors? Is there two castles just on the same estate? <laughs> I mean... I love that theory. How big's Transylvania? I don't know these things. I think it's fairly large, like the size of a U.S. state, which is larger than some European countries. That's true. But yeah, they walk and apparently make good time. They are uh, then all just creeping through the window. They are just staring at the witch as she is putting on makeup. In the fantastic, like, cathedral frame gothic vanity, this mirror is fucking dope. Yes. The set pieces are pretty cool on this. Very cool. Dracula then unveils his amazing plan, which is just to have the monsters hold down the witch while he hypnotizes her so that she will do everything he commands. Does Dracula have hypnotizing powers in other stories? I think he does in some, but anyone can learn to hypnotize, right? It's just, that's your master plan. Oh, that's the master plan. Especially because their version of sneaking is just to sprint into the room quickly. Yeah, they're not doing well at the whole sneaking <laughs> thing here. Like, Dracula's watching the witch through the window and kind of says quietly to himself, where are they? And... Igor and the rest of the gang come up behind him and loudly reply, Here we are, master! I know you're here. I just hope the witch doesn't know you're here. He has to stifle them again when he uses his Dracula senses to confirm the witch is alone. Which, you know what, if you have Dracula senses, it's good to use them. Use them, don't lose them. Yep. So they're a rowdy bunch. They want to react very loudly, and that's obviously not what needs to happen here. But you're right. Apparently, they keep quiet enough to sneak into the castle and up to the room where the witch is because she does not notice them to that point. But then they do just run the fuck in the room. Yeah, they do still somehow get her, and they're under the assumption that she won't be able to do magic because she doesn't have her broom. It's not that she can't do magic because she doesn't have her broom. It's that the only magic she has is her broom. So they think because they have it, Igor's holding it, she doesn't have any magic. Oh, gotcha. But that turns out to be incorrect because, duh... There's a painting on the wall, apparently, of the Three Musketeers, or... Yeah, Three Musketeers. And they come to life, and all the monsters immediately just sprint out of the room, except for Dracula and Igor, <laughs> which I just thought was very funny, that they don't even try to fight. They're just like, nope, that's too scary for me. Three old British men with one-shot terrible rifles. We're out. Yep, the anxious werewolf Warren leads the pack. He's immediately like, I'm out, and the rest follow. There's a great exchange when they grab the witch, though. She says, this is monstrous, and Dracula says, Naturally. <laughs> yeah, that, I, thought I thought that was, that was a great line. It's a fantastic line that plays so well in all the humor here. Dracula has a candelabra in his hand. He's just holding up, like, a sword. And Eeyore's like, no, they're just, you know, illusions. They can't hurt you. And one of them swings a sword, cuts the candelabra in half, and he has a great line. He says, Can't do me any harm, huh? Who did that, termite? And then the witch laughs and runs away. That's a great line. He has <laughs> one other... It's not a great line. It's just a great delivery in this scene. As soon as the witch turns the painting into the Three Musketeers... 
you hear Dracula say, The witch has my magic, eh? Like, what a, again, what a just strange delivery. The witch has my magic, eh? <laughs> so then Igor realizes that he has the witch's broom in his hands, which is exciting. Then Dracula has another fantastic line. There's this whole bunch in this scene. He says, it's safe for you to come out now and protect my life to the other monsters, which I just thought was wonderful. That was one of the few lines I didn't write down, but that was a good one. So they run up the stairs to try to catch the witch after she just out and left to go upstairs. And they can't get to her because she's behind a great big door. Yep, big door with little studs on it. <laughs> That's what can stop all the world's worst monsters is just a big old door. Well, I mean, if you can't open it. <laughs> I was just like, what? That's, I just thought that was hilarious. And then they go on to start, you know, scheming loudly as the witch just listens through on the other side. So now Dracula's in on the terrible sneaking. Igor has a great idea, apparently, that, you know, Batman can, not Batman. <laughs> <geez>. I'm Batman. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> I want this Batman. This is canonically in the Snyderverse, apparently, but no, that Dracula can turn into Big Bat, so why not turn into Small Bat and scurry under the door? And Dracula loves this idea. He's like, "That's you have finally had a good idea for once. Yeah, he was hesitant to take another idea from Igor, but he likes this one. Tiny Bat. Tiny Bat, Tiny Bat, but I thought it was funny that I think it's supposed to be that he's shrinking, but he's very obviously just kneeling down. Yeah, basically he kneels down, kind of wrapping himself in his cape until he goes out of the frame of the camera, at which point the camera goes down and he's a bat. Right, and he does scurry under the door, but obviously the witch has been listening this entire time, so she immediately starts trying to swat him and squish him, and he just nopes and goes right back out into the hallway. Yeah, so he comes out and is seething. He's upset about having just been beaten with an umbrella by this witch. And he says to Igor, I will get even with you for this if it takes me a thousand years. And I know how to make you live that long. Which is a pretty good Excellent threat. threat. Excellent line. So needing another way into the room, Igor, man, bold of this dude to still be speaking, <laughs> explains what he sees through the keyhole, a window on the wall opposite the door. He says, if a brave soul climbs around the ledge, they can get in. So then we cut to Igor on the ledge. This makes no sense at all. This bugged me. They literally just had a conversation about how Dracula can turn into a bat. This makes more sense for a bat to do than to go under a door. He has PTSD. <laughs> He's not going bat mode yet. I don't think that was a concept then. It doesn't change <laughs> that it existed. That's true. That's true. Igor's out on the ledge with a grappling hook. He manages to hook it where he needs it to be and swings through the window, but the witch is ready for him, opens the door, he flies right through the room into the rest of the monsters like a bunch of bowling pins. Yeah, literally both these plans probably would have worked if they weren't discussing them two inches from the door where the witch is. And they know that's where she is. This is all their fault. <laughs> they have no one to blame but themselves. 100%. But Dracula has a great fucking response. It's one of those days I wish I was dead and stayed dead. <laughs> I also wrote that down. That's a fantastic I one. I love that one. That may be my favorite. I'm not completely <laughs> sold yet, but that may be my favorite. 
he finally is kind of broken down. He's like, I think I'm gonna agree to the conditions. And he tells the witch so, and she says that she's adding a condition that he has to also begin taking her to disco dancing every, every night. night. That's a lot of disco That's dancing. a lot of disco dancing. Especially if you live forever. Right, and they're witches and Draculas, vampires. And what do you do when disco's dead? Oh, disco doesn't die. <laughs> I knew you were gonna have a comeback to that. Disco stew is in denial with you. The witch changes her mind though. She does. She's like, you know what? Even with you agreeing to all that, I'm done. I'm out for all the reasons I gave before, which like I said then, were all valid reasons. Yeah, she says nobody loves a witch, which I thought was really good. Yeah, that's a good one. The weirdest thing happens. There are suddenly two little kids on the other side of the door with the monsters. Where are the parents? I don't know where the parents are. I can't answer that question. The parents are somewhere. Who lets their kids go to a castle, for one, in the middle of the night? We know it's like 10 minutes to midnight. And these are young kids, especially to a castle that we know they know from the news are filled with the world's worst monsters. I was so confused. I mean, if the parents were in the background, I would have understood it a little more. But they're just there by themselves. I do think the parents took them there. The parents... I mean, they told the kids that it's up to the witch now. So, I mean, I think they were there to... Just drop them off out front, like, have fun, Tommy. <laughs> Before the kids show up, they cut to the monsters outside the door. And Dracula's like, be quiet, I'm trying to think. And it's the sound of these footsteps that don't belong to any of the monsters. And then we cut to the witch who's saying, I'm never going to ride over the moon again. And that's my final word, never, never. And that's when a child's voice begs the witch not to say that, and the witch assumes it's Dracula disguising his voice. Which, with their terrible plan so far, is totally fair. Absolutely. But he's doing a very believable job if he is. Yeah, one of the kids is dressed up as a scarecrow, and then the little girl's a witch. Yep, and we see them through the keyhole, which then the witch sees them through the keyhole. The little witch says that the witch is her favorite and that she loves her just the way that she is to which the witch opens the door and continues the conversation with her, which, you know, they basically repeat that. Yeah, so the little witch's first line that I actually really liked, the boy was talking about how important Halloween was, and he was talking about, you know, trick-or-treat and pumpkin pie and those kind of things. And the little girl just says, no more fun dressing up in costumes to make believe you are someone else, which is what the witch was doing and wants to do. Mm, I didn't make that connection. That is cool. So that's when the witch opens the door and they come face to face and she looks really overwhelmed and she's like, you look just like me. And the little girl's like, this is my favorite costume because of you, because you're one of my favorite people. And actually the boy says, we love you just the way you are. All the kids feel that way. And like, honestly, when I was watching this the second time, I teared up. The scene got me. Yeah, I also wrote down that, you know, as campy and funny and weird as this special is, this ending was actually really sweet and well done. Very well done. Well written and heartfelt in an unexpected way. Definitely. 100% agree. So, you know, the witch then agrees to save Halloween, even though there's like two minutes left, but that the conditions will have to remain. Oh, then we can forget those silly conditions that you asked for. Not on your life. So she then proceeds to fly over the moon, but she doesn't. We This whole time, they've been talking about how she needs to fly over the moon. She doesn't fly over the moon. She flies in front of it. 
<laughs> yeah, at some point they said across the moon, and then towards the later half they kept saying over the moon. Across is the correct. Which, that's fine, but like I was thinking, it was like, oh, maybe it's for like the effect of seeing her fly in front of the moon. You could still make a cool effect of the witch just going one inch on the screen higher over it. Like, it was just bizarre. <laughs> It's fair. It's fair. I, I think the classic image is the witch in front of the moon. That's what they were trying to, you know, create. Yeah, but yeah. I agree that they did start saying over at some point, and that is not correct for what they needed to say. Yeah, her last condition before she did that was that the disco had to begin as soon as she finished flying over the moon. And, you know, after she does that... We see all the monsters and the two kids looking out of the window at her, and then the most awkward, long, freeze-frame zoom in on the kids. <laughs> and the monsters. And the monsters. Still it just no kept parents. going. <laughs> it was like, did you run out of time? Like, were you just trying to fill the last little bit? It was really uncomfortable. <laughs> After that, we get another commercial break. And these two, the first one is Sweetie Face, the doll to put makeup on and dye hair. And as they're putting makeup on her, they literally say in the commercial that she is now beautiful, which is maybe the most sexist thing I've ever heard. <laughs> this whole commercial was unbelievably awful. <laughs> it was almost the 80s. Oh, it was so bad. I mean, this is like for kids. The next toy, however, I want. I want this so bad. It is the Stretch X-Ray. Yes. So obviously in the uh, Stretch Armstrong line, I never had a Stretch Armstrong. I mean, that was a bit before our time. There was a couple at my grandparents that were like my uncle's old ones, but I've never seen the Stretch X-Ray. This thing is cool as shit. It's super cool. It's like this weird see-through gel alien that you can just pull and stretch because that's what a Stretch Armstrong is. One weird thing, though, is that the kid says, now you can see his internal support systems, and it zooms in on his, like, intestines. What a strange way to describe guts. <laughs> Your internal support systems, especially from a little child. If a child said that to me, I would call an exorcist. You're an alien. You're, you're an alien. <laughs> you're an alien. <laughs> it was very odd. You are the stretch x-ray kid. <laughs> but 100%, Corey, I think... I think we should get stretch x-rays. Yeah, if we ever get big enough to have a P.O. box, I would not be mad if somebody said this to us. <laughs> I want one so bad. I don't know what I would do with it, but I want one. <laughs> so I've kept something from all of you this entire episode so far. Are you naked? I am. Okay. I always am, though. Oh, oh that's good. So I have a friend with me. Uh-oh. I got this skeleton taking a coffin bath that's been hanging out with me for the duration of this podcast. <laughs> is that your little toy? <laughs> it is not my little toy. Oh. I am actually trying to find out what my little toy is right now, but I picked him up to add to the mood. He's he's literally basically taking a bath in a in a coffin and I need to name people. <laughs> I like Gerald. Gerald, my bath skeleton. Is he naked? Oh, yes. He's all bones. Okay, so he fits right in. So, yeah, people, tweet at us. I think I'm probably going to make a threads and a Tumblr for us soon. I posted on Twitter the other day that my inner high schooler is both terrified and 
weirdly excited to be back on Tumblr because I have many memories from that website. Don't know anything about threads other than it is like Facebook, but Twitter, but whichever one you use, let us know some ideas for Austin's Naked Skeleton. That was a weird way to say that, <laughs> it stands. And I hope Austin isn't at this moment. I am not standing and my cauldron toy is a cockroach. Why did you say it like that? I don't know. <laughs> you were going to say a cuckold, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's a cockroach. Like a plastic one? Yep. Okay. Does yours also have paint that is just completely peeling off of it? No. Mine is. Mine had almost the silver paints dissolved on mine, and I, I'm probably got lead poisoning. That's probably good for you, right? Yep. It helps the bones. It helps you to be in the right time period for this special. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> also, my glass just told me that I've been poisoned, so if you don't ever hear another podcast from me, that's why. Well, we'll have your ghost on for all future Halloween specials. Perfect. Just make sure you die naked because being a ghost and with clothes on in water, I'm sure is not a pleasant experience. Naked. Got it. Easy enough. Yep. Now back to the Halloween that almost wasn't. So we return to the show. As you can probably tell by us bantering, there isn't really anything left. It comes back and the disco is happening. The zombie is on the keys, which I, I liked. Uh, Dracula looks pretty miserable. The witch is there, but she spins and is suddenly blonde and in a red dress. Yep. Going back to the previous commercial of apparently now this is beauty. <laughs> Very classic, you know, movie trope of the ugly, quote unquote, girl suddenly being beautiful and everyone noticing her. But Dracula notices her because that's the trope. And he flings, black his, flings back his cloak and is in a white disco suit. Man, that's another hard line to say. I think we have a running list of those somewhere, of lines I just cannot say, and fling back his cloak is up there. <laughs> it's kind of a cool line, though. Like, I kind of want to make a disco funk song that's like, fling black his coat. Fuck, I can't even say it. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> fling back his coat. Cloak. Cock. Fuck. <laughs> There's too many L's. It's a weird line. <laughs> But that's the end of the episode. We just see them doing a little dance as the credits start rolling. It's a literal monster mash. All the monsters join in when Dracula yeah. and... Oh, shit, there's a bonus toy. I got a little spider, too. Oh. So, yeah, all the, all the monsters join in when Dracula and the witch start dancing. I don't know why the witch turned blonde, other than I think that's the actress's actual hair color. But... Dracula and the witch are meant to look like Saturday Night Fever. Dracula's wearing a white John Travolta suit. Like, that scene's supposed to mimic that. I didn't even make that connection. I mean, to be fair, that is a movie also that I've never seen, but I at least know that scene. I've seen that scene. I've not seen the whole movie. It's a good movie. I've heard. That is the end of the Halloween special. I hope you all learned something. I don't know if I did, but I feel like I did, and that's what's important. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what? That Yes, placate yourself. That's it. That's all you got to do. <laughs>
What were your final thoughts on this, Austin? I thought it was fantastic. Dracula had some amazing lines. The anxious werewolf, uh, is, it's not the first time I've seen it. I'm not sure, though, if when I've seen it, it was copying this, to be honest. But I really enjoyed it. I loved the way that they did this. I also love the half-man, half-follicle. That is great. Fantastic line. Absolutely. I didn't even know that was as good as it was. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I thought this was an amazing special, especially for the time period. It really doesn't step in any shit or terrible, you know, tropes or, you know, misogyny or sexism or racism from the time. It, it The commercials sure didn't, but the, the special <laughs> itself is very empowered and positive. Right. And this definitely reminded me of like, you know, the classic Christmas specials. And I know there are you know, short little Halloween specials, but not nearly as many. And I, I, this made me wish there were more like there are for Christmas. I mean, there are plenty of, you know, scary movies and such. But with Christmas, you have lots of Christmas movies, but you also have those like little 20-minute made-for-TV things that everyone knows and talks about and watches every year. We don't have that for Halloween. And I think if there were more like this, that would be wonderful. Definitely. Like, you always have whatever, the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. But, that, like, that's fucking it. That's, come on. People watch this. This is great. I definitely could see adding this into, like, my yearly tradition for Halloween, which I need to have more of a yearly Halloween tradition. I need a national holiday. Dracula's national holiday. I would absolutely add this in. <laughs> Also, like we mentioned, I thought the actual message at the end was very well done. We understand how the witch feels, but right. the children are very reassuring and... Like, her concerns aren't made up. Those are real things that people feel and, like, are legitimate. And, like, the kids' response is a very... It's a great way of reframing the way you look at things in a healthier way. Yes, that's exactly. They show the witch what the witch doesn't see. Mm-hmm. 100%. Did you have a favorite line from this? I think so, but give me yours first. So I was pretty torn, but after rewatching the second time, because this is, just want to say, we are spoiled so hard with The Tick because that is a show just made for fantastic lines. And I think it may be something we're going to have to work harder on in future seasons once we finish The Tick. But I think this was a good practice run for that reason. But my favorite, 100%, was Igor introducing the mummy. <laughs> it was from Egypt, a mummy. End of line. <laughs> what a wild thing. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. That one's great. <laughs> I'm still laughing at it. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's honestly really hard for me to pick a favorite line because there were some really great exchanges that I have mentioned some of throughout this episode. One of my top contenders was the one I said before. It's one of those days I wish I was dead. And stay dead. <laughs> I think that's great. I, I think that's a great line for Dracula, especially. I could see that being in almost any Dracula movie. Absolutely. The other joke that we skipped over, it's repeated twice, that really tore me for favorite line. Um, against the termites one. The Termites one was very good. That was a good one. Was the werewolf, I mentioned when he first came, he ended up howling because he was like, what is this about kind of thing. But when they're watching the newscast back and forth between the Transylvanian family and the monsters watching the newscast, the newscaster speculates that 
the monsters are, have a grim future ahead of them with a canceled Halloween, they're all like, you're right. Like, what are we going to do? And the werewolf's like, what are we going to do? And what makes this one even better is right after he says that Dracula shows up as like a specter and then embodies. And when he's appearing, he says, I'll tell you what we are going to do. <laughs> I think we need to have a special place for like favorite characters of all time. Cause this Dracula just owns the episode. He is perfect for this. This Dracula does own the episode. And to prove that this Dracula owns the episode, here is my favorite line spoken by the Dracula. What can I do if I can't bite them, I can't bite them. Igor's asking Dracula what to do. He's like begging him to do something when they're facing the three musketeers. And Dracula's like, what can I do? If I can't bite them, I can't fight them. <laughs> that is a great wonderful line i just love how dramatic in like the classical sense this dracula is he's just over the top just loves a show just says the wildest shit in every situation it's just wonderful 100 percent. but that's the one that's my favorite <laughs> oh shit I just remembered I was going to make a little popcorn snack for our Halloween special because I also thought it'd be funny to have the worst possible audible <laughs> like, thing to eat for audio medium. But also when you're watching a Halloween movie, you got to have a little popcorn snack. Got to have a little popcorn snack. So I hope while you all are enjoying this at home, you are enjoying a little popcorn snack. Maybe with your Johnson out. Maybe with the plastic cockroach and spider in your bath. Maybe with a plastic ring and spider on your Johnson. I'm not judging. I'm asking for photos. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Austin, why would you say that on the internet? <laughs> because it's the internet. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Do not send that to the show's DMs. Austin's are tagged in everything. If you really want to see that or you really want to send that, do not. Me or the show. <laughs> this would be where I would normally, you know, describe what we're going to be watching next. But this is a Halloween special. So this is the part where I admit that I smoked both of them. I drank three glasses of my soulless Shirley. I just finished my very large glass of whiskey. I still got the baby blood pumping through me from my vaccine. So you're like Dracula? Yes, I am Dracula of medicine. <clears throat> of medicine? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Dracula of Hospitalvania? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so thank you everybody for listening. I've had a lot of fun with this and I hope you have too. And I am thinking we're probably going to do other holiday specials. Maybe not just make it a yearly Halloween. Maybe we could. I love when shows do that. They pick one specific holiday they always make a big deal of. But I would also love to maybe do like a Christmas special. Maybe we could find a Labor Day movie. Who knows? You've got me on a weird rabbit hole of Labor Day movies. What the fuck is that? It's just the life story of Che Guevara or Fidel Castro. Then we're good. <laughs> This podcast is going in a very different direction, but okay. I mean, am I wrong? No, I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> well, have a very spooky Halloween. Thanks for listening. Let us know the name you want to give Austin Skeleton. Don't send us those pictures. 
And as always, life's hard out there. Go take a bath. You deserve it. <coughs>